0: Steve Logan joins us, former East Carolina coach, former Ryan Fire offensive coordinator. Man, he's, he's <laughs> been everywhere, uh, including in this studio with me a lot. Uh, coach, how you doing?
1: I'm telling you, what, you're going back into the history books, the Ryan Fire, which was one of the two best years of my life, by the way, <laughs> coaching football in Europe now. That, that that was the best, best job ever. I'd still be doing it like I've told you if they hadn't dropped it. I
0: know if they haven't. And who knows? Maybe the league will come back, but I know Roger Goodell had hinted over the weekend that a franchise, maybe an entire division in Europe, is not out of the question. That's the way I think it could work if they had an entire division across Europe. I just don't see how you can put one team over there, and uh, and have it be fair to players from both sides. I just don't. I just don't see how they can uh, they can do that. But let's talk some quarterbacks. don't well, we start with Carolina's Bryce Young. Game one obviously wasn't what he wanted, but I thought there were a lot of good things that he did, other than being able to find out where the safety was a couple on a couple of occasions, which probably you need to do better. Uh, what was your read on what we saw from Bryce in game one?
1: I think there's a lot of upside cooking there and uh just like you said it's it, it's the same refrain you hear from all those rookies that come into that league it, the the speed of it is just so much different now of course he had all of OTAs and and you know preseason to get somewhat acclimated to what it, how fast it was going to be and yet I can testify to you that the opening game of any NFL season it it ratchets up uh, another couple of degrees even beyond that. So, you know, he got a dose of that, and we're going to see if he acclimates and and processes things better moving forward. I think, Like I say, I think there's a lot of upside there. He's a unique guy, though, just physically. You know, uh, it would have been hard for me to, you know, first pick of the draft and all that. I mean, you do what you got to do, and you got to believe the film that you have. But we all know the biggest question is, is it going to translate? Is it going to make that transition? And he's just so slight of build. And, you know, the short factor doesn't bother me that bad. Short quarterbacks find, you know, their survival instinct has taught them throughout their careers to slide into throwing lanes, mm-hmm. Drew Brees being, a, you know, the prime example. And uh, But, again, he, he I'm going to watch him with a lot of uh, interest, put it that way. But, uh, you know i i think there's a good chance he'll be a winner
0: yeah i mean it it all depends i mean a winner depending on what carolina surrounds him with my biggest takeaway from the game is that if i was playing if i was directing a defense against carolina there's really nobody i have to take away and i mean right. there's i mean you you basically stop the run if i stop the run i probably have carolina in control and Carolina ran it well enough, I think, maybe to do some things in play action, uh, but they just weren't able to get anything going, really.
1: Well, just think of this. Eventually, Tom Brady leaves the New England Patriots out of frustration with what? Not enough weapons yeah. to, to support him. Now, you're talking about Tom Brady, for crying out loud. <laughs> so if it, if it can affect a Tom Brady, it affects every quarterback in the league and uh, all the way down to the collegiate level. You've got to have somebody catch football and you've got to have somebody that can separate, and you've got to, you know, ideally, you've got somebody that forces the secondary to double cover. Now, when that happens, everybody else's game can go up a notch, all the rest of the receivers I'm talking about, because they're in a single coverage, and those kinds of coverages are relatively easy to discern for the quarterback. And so, you know, the domino effect kicks in, but, you're right. I don't I don't see anybody that scares you to death on Carolina's receiving core right now.
0: Steve Logan is joining us here, quarterback guru on the Adam Gold show. Uh would it, I'm look, I'm not I'm not going to say it would that that uh, Bryce Young shouldn't play this year. Uh the in, in my opinion the Panthers really don't have an alternative all respect to Andy Dalton at this point. Um Jordan Love had the benefit uh, whether or not his relationship with Aaron Rodgers was mentor, mentee, whatever, he had the benefit of watching one of the best who has ever done it play for three full seasons before he gets his opportunity, and he looked good yesterday. What benefit is there to not playing right away?
1: There's a lot. I can testify to that. You know, the we went through a tragic Uh, unfolding of events when I was at Tampa Bay we brought in uh, a young man that was going to he was our first round draft pick and Josh Freeman was his name and a great kid and it was announced by ownership that he was going to sit his first year well that lasted exactly two games (laughs) and he was thrown into the league into his third week in the season he was thrown out as a starter and he kind of, we suffered through a three and 13 year that year. Now the next year we went 10 and six with Josh. And, uh, but then the wheels fell off all over again. But I'm just saying that, you know, you can analyze that thing any way you want. I mean, you could pick Peyton Manning, right? He goes mm-hmm. three and 13 yep. and throws 90 million interceptions. Well, <laughs> when you do that with a young man, there's now a fork in the road is coming very quick. Will that experience break him or make him? And well, Peyton Manning, it made him, right? right. He, he toughened up, he figured it out, and off we go. And you can, I could sit here and drag up three or four or five names that actually broke the young man, and he never recovered. So, you know, you're just, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat. I would say this about Aaron Rodgers. Guess what? He sat there for three or four years. Yes, he did. Bar, right? Yep. So, I mean, ideally, there's no question the best thing to do is to absorb it for two years and then go give it a whirl. But those days are long gone. There's too much money involved. And, uh, you know, throwing them out, that's the routine now. You're a first-round draft pick quarterback, you're playing. And you better get ready, and here we go. And now, where it goes from there, it's anybody's guess. We've all seen we've got enough data to know it's anybody's guess.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the the data also tells us that first round pick, first round draft pick quarterbacks su- succeed about one out of every three, uh, and that number is actually lower among top ten uh, draft pick quarterbacks than
1: lower let me, than, let, let me interrupt you right there, okay? You, I'll give you Bryce Young. I'll take Brock Purdy. Right, I right. I mean, Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant or whatever yep, that crazy he was thing last pick got. in the draft. And I got news for you: he's good. He's going to be good. Yep. And he's good. I'm just telling you. I don't go. I don't want to hear it. He, yeah. I know he's got. He's on a good football team. Yep. He's a good, really good NFL quarterback. So there, there it is, right there. I'll take Brock Purdy and whatever else you give me. You take <laughs> Bryce Young and let's go play. I'll bet on me. Yeah, there, right
0: now. There, there might not be any difference between the two. To be honest, correct. There might be yeah. no difference between the two in the long run. It does it help that he is on an exceptionally good and dangerous team? We talk about Carolina doesn't have guys you have to worry about. San Francisco's only got, like, four of those guys. Everybody. McCaffrey, (laughs) Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, a good offensive line, and maybe the best defense in football. Other than that, they have nothing.
1: But guess what? When Brock Purdy got hurt last year at a critical time, did that offense shut down? Yes, it did. Yeah, it did. So, I'm just telling you, Brock Purdy's really, really good. Well, I
0: mean, in, in but, fairness. But, he's a seventh-round
1: pick. Yeah. In
0: fairness, though, they actually didn't have another quarterback.
1: I understand that. <laughs> but I'm just saying you, you you can't just have the quarterback, a la Tom right. Brady getting frustrated and leaving. You can't just have great white. It, it's a, there's a lot of competing agendas at work, but you got to have a good quarterback. That That much we do know, or you're not going anywhere.
0: All right. Let me ask you uh, real quick, and then I'm gonna. Uh, I mentioned that I was gonna ask you about Novak Djokovic uh, for a second, but because um, I've you and I have talked about this before. But if if you can as quick as you can sum up the difference between playing quarterback in college from the eyes of a quarterback and playing quarterback in the NFL, and how that has changed over the years.
1: I can tell you real quick, you want it real quick, I'll yeah. give it to you real quick. Playing college quarterback is throwing a football through a tire. That's that's relatively difficult, but doable. Throwing completions in the NFL is throwing a BB through a keyhole. <laughs> and I mean that. And I've told uh, when I coached professional quarterbacks that were coming in, which I did in NFL Europe, they were transitioning in. Yep. I would tell them, i say, throwing footballs through a tire, those days are over. You have to now accept the fact that a wide-open receiver at this level has exactly one-half of a step on the defensive back. He's open, okay? And that football has got to be a BB through a keyhole accurate, and then we're all going to have a good time because you just threw a completion. But until you accept those standards, the new standard, it's a BB through a keyhole, not a, not a football through a tire. That's the difference.
0: Do you like Drake May's future as a quarterback?
1: Yeah, yeah, he's a first-round pick, and uh, there was a lot of good things that could happen there, and that you know that's pretty easy to see, and uh, you know he's he's going to be again he could be a first guy picked in the draft type of guy. Yeah.
0: All right. Final thing before I let Steve Logan go. There's only 24 Grand Slam titles now for Novak Djokovic. I thought there uh, thought his match with. Uh, Daniil Medvedev was um, more psychological than physical. I thought Djokovic almost wins the mental game every time he goes on the court. Um, how do you sum up 24? He's 36 years old and he's still the best in the world.
1: You know, you and know, I have talked about this privately a lot, you know, and tennis isn't a great talk radio subject. I get right. that. But I'm just telling you this, that, uh, you know, I have started following Novak Djokovic when he was 18 years old. I picked the sport of tennis up when I was 40 and been fascinated with it ever since. Novak Djokovic, without question, if you want to talk about Michael Jordan and Tom Brady and Kobe Bryant, and I'm just telling you that Novak Djokovic is one of God's special, special athletes that's ever come on the planet Earth from a physical, mental, yeah. emotional Flexibility, explosiveness, toughness—all of these boxes you want to check—he's done checked them, dude. Yep. This cat is unbelievable, and I—I I love watching him compete.
0: He's—it's just incredible. I mean, he's still the best, and he's thirty-six. And I know Alcaraz is going to be uh, around for a long time. And Alcaraz has every single element you need. Uh, to be not only a champion but historically great. Uh, but man, I don't think he's getting to twenty four. And actually, well, Djokovic could get know, to thirty.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> well yeah, I got to believe that, that that there's at least two more left in Djokovic. One being next year's Wimbledon because grass is a forgiving surface. Yeah, doesn't beat you up as bad. And but I, I will say this that you know the the the, the question. And you know I checked off all those boxes with Djokovic a second ago. Here's the big deal concerning tennis or any other sport, but particularly tennis is durability. Yeah, durability. Can you like you're talking about? He's 36 years old, crying out loud, and he's a physical physical specimen. You know, can Alcaraz or any of these young guns coming up that are that are immensely talented? Will they have the durability? to chase it to the number twenty four, man, that's gonna this is gonna be like uh Joe DiMaggio's what is it, fifty eight game hitting streak? Uh
0: that or the uh the Iron Man streak, right? That yeah. Luke Gehrig yeah. had that I mean to be able to just talking about durability, uh yeah. that is just it is incredible. And it's such a physical game now. Uh it's yep. it's no longer a finesse game. It's just such a physical test I mean, well, December. not
1: only that, Adam, but here's the thing about tennis, too. And, and Rafi Nadal said it best. You know, he, his body finally broke down. Yep. And he said, he said this, and there's a, this is profound. We're the only professional athletes on the planet that play on cement. <laughs> they do. And I can testify. <laughs> Let's, listen, I can testify that. I, I will not step foot on a hard court. I still play tennis hard. I play it hard, and it's a violent game. The stop, start, begin, you know, all that stuff. It doesn't look like it's a violent game on the body. Yep. I will not touch my foot on a hard court. And and I'm just telling you, what yep. it does to your legs and low back, It well, call Andre Agassiz about his low back. No question.
0: It's, it crippled him. It did. Uh, Steve Logan, you're the best, man. I'll talk to you very soon. All right, man.